How are we this morning? Sometimes I just wish we could just stay in worship. Right? Instead of listening to, no offense to any other pastors, but long-winded messages. So I was told that I can only have till 10.15 at the latest, so I've got to get rid of a bunch of material and figure out what I'm going to do here. Um, on a serious note, it's an honor to be here. I uh, love this church. We have a, at the rescue mission, we have a, no, oh, not the rescue mission, there it is. We have a long-standing relationship with this church and with Pastor Jay. Um, we've got several people who attend church that are really strong supporters of the mission. <clears throat> so it's always really fun to come and update you and tell you what's going on. Thank you. Thank you, sir. It's like I was prepared. Yeah. Well, you know, funny story. I'm at home just kind of going over my notes, do to do to do, and I thought it was 10. And I looked down, it's, it was like 9.35. I'm going, oh, jeez, man. So I almost bailed on you guys this morning. <clears throat> I, would have not have been, I would have never been invited back, probably. So um, who's familiar with Idaho Falls Rescue Mission? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Idaho Falls Rescue Mission is uh, something that I love to just get out in the community and, and especially churches, uh, fellow believers, uh, just kind of share what, who we are and what we're doing. So I want to spend a little bit of time doing that. And then uh, I'm going to spend the last few minutes uh, tying that into a message. So you're not going to get out of that today. Sorry. Um, uh, the Idaho Falls Rescue Mission is a gospel rescue mission. Uh, it's a gospel rescue mission. That's our identity. Um, we exist to provide help, hope, and a future to the hungry, homeless, and hopeless in our community through the power and love of Jesus Christ. And so that's our purpose, right? Which is pretty cool uh, when we get to go talk to churches, especially because that's your purpose too, right? So we own and operate shelters, recovery programs, food service ministries, uh, a little thrift store. We just got a whole bunch going on. And I want to just talk about those for a little bit, just for those who may not know what we have going on and may not know the opportunities and especially may not know the needs. Um, what I'm finding out lately is <clears throat> uh, more and more people are finding out who we are and what we're doing, but they think there's no need. And I'm here to tell you there's need. So... Um, We'll start off with the City of Refuge. City of Refuge is a men's shelter. We, we can house um, men and male children. Um, we have 22 beds there and a couple of different programs that the guys can go through. Um, <clears throat> the Ruth House is a women's shelter. It's got the same amount of beds. It's for women and children. Same program. So these are emergency shelters. Uh, that we own and operate in the, in the area. And though we're very local and community-minded, we, we help people and um, house people from all over the region, all over the state, all over the country, in the summer, all over the world. Uh, people trying to get to Yellowstone. You'd be surprised how many people just say, I didn't have a plan. I just rode my bike, got on a bus. You know, um, so we get to see people from all over um, sometimes that's a wonderful thing, and sometimes that's, a, that's not such a wonderful thing. Um, if you're going to go somewhere, plan. Plan. Plan it. <clears throat> uh, 
the exciting news I get to share with you guys today is uh, the Idaho Falls Rescue Mission, through a lot of work and partnerships, just acquired the Haven Shelter. Is anybody familiar with that one? Um, and the community center next door that goes with that. And so we're in the process now of uh, doing some adjusting to the facilities, um, hiring and training staff to get over there and uh, get that thing back into operational. Now it has 24 rooms, but they're really large, so we're thinking probably 48 beds minimum, which is a, um, a big deal. And those are beds that are not available to the community right now. So we're really excited about that. <clears throat> And then we have Navigate. Navigate is a uh, recovery program. It's an inpatient, 12-month biblically-based recovery program. Um, inpatient means you live there. It's full-time full for 12 months. It's a, it's a huge undertaking. Uh, it's even more of an undertaking for the guys. Um, right now, we're just doing guys. We're, we're working really hard to open some for, for gals. But it's a huge undertaking because it's a voluntary program. So when guys come into this, you know, they're volunteering um, basically to go through a biblical boot camp, we call it, which means we completely control their schedule, what they're doing. We, you know, we have jobs waiting for them and classes and everything, and they volunteer um, to be under that authority, under our authority there. And so that's a really big deal, but we're really excited to grow that. And I'll talk a little bit more, a little bit more about why. Uh, as soon as we finish our, our kind of departments, things we got going on. Uh, Serving Hope, who's heard of that one? Serving Hope is our food ministries. Um, we have a, a licensed commercial kitchen, and we serve meals to the community uh, 365 days a year. Um, to my knowledge, we're the only commercial kitchen that never closes. And I've done a little research on it. So there's not one day during the year that we've closed. We didn't close for covid we just, we just don't close. Um, the amazing part about that is most of that, uh, most of the food that's prepared and cooked and served is done by volunteers and donated food. So you're talking about, you know, 30 to 50,000 meals just in the dinner alone a year. I'm not counting our guests and our shelters and breakfasts and lunches and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we also, through Serving Hope, uh, do a food box program and provide meals for other organizations who can't afford it or who just struggle to get their um, their people fed. So it's kind of a kind of a cool thing. So if you food if you're food oriented, food minded, chefs, whatever, home chefs, we don't care. Uh, come down and talk to us about that. And then finally, the thrift. Who here knew we had a little thrift store? It's the best thrift store in town. I'm telling you. Um, but here's the cool part. And though there's some argument amongst some of the board, and I'm just going to throw that one out there because there's a board member sitting here today, <laughs> about whether uh, we should have a thrift store because it's really expensive to have a thrift store. Um, the purpose of our thrift store is not to make money. It's, it's to operate a program. And uh, it just happens to be a program that we think we can hopefully turn a few bucks for because uh, every penny goes back to support the programs that we do have. But the things that we love about the thrift store are, are things like work therapy. Work therapy is when a guy's in program or a gal um, and they don't have a lot of work ethic or work skills, you know, even showing up on time. Um, we can plug them in and do plug them into the thrift store 
and we give them uh, mission hours, work therapy, where they go over there and they work under the direction of the of one of the staff um, or volunteers, and they just do some hours. And it's really been a huge blessing to a lot of the guys and gals to just learn how to show up to work, be on time, enjoy what you're doing. Um, we also are one of the biggest community service providers, which is a huge blessing to the community, huge blessing to the mission, and a huge blessing to those who have to get those hours written off, right? And so anybody who knows anybody in community service or has community service, come talk to us. We'll get those hours. We'll help you get those hours done. We don't make it super easy for you because community service hours should not be super easy. Um, but uh, we will help you get them done. <clears throat> clothing vouchers. So we give clothing vouchers to the community who need clothes, uh, people who are on the brink of homelessness, people who are, who are just kind of destitute, or um, especially nowadays our clothing vouchers are going up, of course, with, with inflation and everything. Um, we actually lowered the amount of clothing vouchers that we were giving out because we, didn't, we don't want to do, we don't want to just hand stuff out. Uh, that, a lot of times that's just enabling people, right? And so we started really having a conversation with people and saying, well, why do you need clothes? And, and trying to dig to that root cause, that root issue or barrier to see if we could help there. Um, that drastically lowered the amount, um, but with everything going on today, we're giving a lot more of those out. Um, we also help with uh, gals that are coming out of wood pilot and drug court who are doing really well, and maybe they got their kid back and they can move into a little apartment, and we'll just help them furnish that apartment, and we do at least a couple of those a year. Um, there's a lot of other things. It's a great place. The churches actually love the thrift store as a uh, project base. They love to go over there and do little projects. Um, we just had a volunteer group not too long ago come and move a bunch of bookshelves, and they like to come and clean up. And so it's also a piece that we try to use for church unity, get some different denominations together, and um, that's pretty cool. And then lastly, uh, we use it to employ people who actually graduate our program. So if you go through Navigate for 12 months and um, you want to transition from the job that you have in Navigate into something else, get out in the world, do something a little different, then we can use that to employ some of the uh, guys that have come through our programs for a short time um, just so they can kind of experience the different types of work uh, and still, have, still be making a little bit of money, saving up, working with their case manager to get thrust back into the big, big world. And so... Um, the thrift store is awesome. It's, it's a ministry in my mind, and it's, and it's awesome. So uh, come and call, or call and come and talk to us about that. Um, so needs. So we're doing a lot, and I didn't go through, through everything or some things that we have planned because I uh, just don't have enough time. But we're doing a lot, right? We're trying to fit, meet the need in the community. We're not trying to surpass that need. We're trying to meet it. But the need's growing right now faster than we can keep up. Literally, the need is growing faster than we could keep up. We could barely keep up before COVID. And now it's just kind of outrunning us. And God's opening a lot of doors and bringing a lot of opportunities for us to meet that need. But we also need people and money and stuff. 
So I used to do sales once upon a time, and they always told you, you know, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, if you don't believe in it, you're just not going to be a very good salesman. It's true. And uh, because now I have no problem asking people for money. It's, it's the craziest thing. It's the craziest thing. Because I believe in what we're doing. Um, we're a gospel mission. And, and what we want is life transformation for people. We have no intention of bringing people into warehouse them or just give them free stuff or sustain them. We want to dig into those root causes. We want to share God's love with them. We want life transformation. We want sustainability. And all of our programs and everything we do is from that lens, from a biblical lens, because that's what God wants for us. Right? So to do that is a big undertaking, just like any church and all of your programs. Uh, the, the uniqueness of the mission is it's something that a lot of the churches can wrap around. We want to be an extension of the churches. It's actually the way that uh, gospel rescue missions were set up back in the 1800s, a little history, right? They just got together, denominations, and said, we can't handle this by ourselves. Let's put some people and money over here and take care of it. So what we're trying to do is just steer that original intent back into Idaho Falls. So uh, we need you. We need your family. We need your checkbooks. We need all of it. Come and uh, visit us. Talk to us if God puts it on your heart. Tell people. That helps. Spread the word. Grow our footprint. Um, visit our website. I have rescuemission.org. I should know that. <clears throat> um, come down to the office. Call me. I mean, there's a million ways to contact us um, and just spread the word. We're dying for some good staff right now. Staff's really hard to find, especially ministry-minded staff, which we, we really try hard to get ministry-minded staff. We try hard to get even the most entry-level position, somebody who's got a heart for Jesus that wants to see life transformation happen in people. That's a hard, hard thing to do, uh, especially right now. So if you know anybody that's looking for work, if that's ministry-minded, wants to dip their toe in ministry and, and make a little scratch in the process, uh, just please let us know. <clears throat> so the mission, like I said, is about sharing God's love. It's about that life transformation. And the Navigate program, we have a few other rescue programs, but the Navigate program is why we want to grow that and focus on growth in the mission and the community um, in program because those programs is where that happens, right? So we, we will always provide shelter, we'll always provide services, we'll always provide food and clothing and um, hygiene kits and all those kind of things, um, but it's kind of like a, cu a couple of different things. It's kind of like a net, first of all. Let's net in everyone who needs help and then find ways to offer whatever level of help they're looking for, right? And not just providing it at no cost. And so the cost, we say, is a conversation. Everything starts with a conversation and accountability, right? So when you come into the mission, if you're a guest, uh, regardless of what level of program uh, or what service you're, you're taking, it, it costs you absolutely nothing, zero. A year, a year's worth of intense recovery costs you zero. It costs you a conversation and dedication and accountability. 
right? Um, but that's where we're seeing life transformation happen, right? That's where we're seeing. We, we, we help all kinds of people. We get them there. But then when we start digging and asking those hard questions, saying, why, 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 why are you here? What got you here? What can we work on? That's when we start to find things start to change. Things start to boil to the surface. And so we're really dedicated in looking at and growing that uh, part of the mission because we don't want to spend all the time and effort and money it costs to have a gospel rescue mission in Idaho Falls uh, without people coming out of that with new life. Right? It's, it's just it's not worth it. Um, now, we wish there were a lot more new lives, but I'll tell you what, um, one year in my life about wipes me out, the mission. I, it's more than I can take. Without Jesus, I'd be dead. Um, just smeared to the wall, busy, crazy, million, billion things going on, you know, working with not one church and one pastor, but all the churches and all the pastors. Just, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy. And I, I just share that with you because um, I want you to know that one guy, one gal that comes to us addicted and broken and sick and destitute and hurting and confused, when they find Jesus, when they recognize and realize his identity and their identity in him, when they have that life transformation, when you see their heart, God just grab their heart and just muck it out and clean it out, and take it back. That one gal or guy, and sometimes that's about what, sometimes that's what we get, one gal or guy a year. Most of the time not, but that's worth it. That's worth it. So that's kind of our model, but I wanted to also talk about you guys a little bit. Because here's the big misconception in gospel rescue mission work in any social service really if we want to be honest about it especially in our country and in our time now I've been told that I'm a little too direct so uh, if, if you guys get mad at what I'm saying I, I, I found a solution today I'll, t I'll tell you about it in a minute so there's no way you can be mad at me none how did I figure that out I'll tell you in a minute it's cool it's cool so <clears throat> The big misconception is what we do is for those people. The people who are broken. The people who need saving. The people who have addictions and problems. And we, we tend to separate ourselves and put ourselves in a different category. Sometimes even a little bit piously uh, and it's even subconscious so it's a little more dangerous. Right? Well, I've got my life together. Well, I have a home. Well, I have a good job. I don't have addictions. So God really burdened my heart on this when he brought me to the mission, and I've been working on this idea for several years now. And we come up with the mission with the three R's. Rescue, that's where we start when you come in our doors. Recovery, that's life transformation and restoration sending you back out into the world, right? And they have two sides, the physical and the spiritual. 
We always focus on everything in the flesh, don't we? We're just crazy creatures. For example, when I'm talking about homeless and destitute, you're not thinking about yourselves because maybe you have homes. Maybe you have jobs. Maybe you're not destitute physically, but what about spiritually? Is there anyone in here that doesn't need Jesus every morning, every day, to save and rescue our souls? Right? So what I started finding out was, oh my gosh, God's word brings an equality to humanity, regardless of where you're at in the flesh. It's pretty cool. So I want to talk to you and see if we can, because this is just gospel rescue mission. What I'm talking about next, the whole rest of this message is for all of us. This is what we do down at the mission, but what I found out is I don't have to separate the message. I can just tell you what we do down at the, message, or down at the mission, and it's good for you. It's good for me. It's good for us. It's what God has for us. He wants to save you and rescue, provide for you. He wants to control your schedule. Right? He wants you to be in his recovery program. So here's how I figured out how to not get in trouble at all. Well, okay, I can get in trouble, but I don't have to worry about you being mad at me, even if you get mad at me. So what I did is this idea of uh, the spirit and the flesh, right? We talked about there's a separation there that we have to be aware of at least. And it's, and it's really tricky to talk about. There's tons of scripture about it. We're going we're gonna to get into the, some of those. Um, you guys know what a T-chart is? So did you know that the cross is a T-chart? Isn't that cool? So if you put spirit on one side and flesh on the other, up on the top, we can use it just like a T-chart, you know, just like the old wants and needs, right? Spirit, flesh. And then we can itemize and list. We can analyze and compare our life. Are we looking at this in the flesh or in the spirit? What does God say about this? Flesh or spirit? And we can actually kind of biblically counsel ourselves a little bit there. Um, and, and the coolest thing about it is once you list those, the only way from one side to the other is through the cross. You cannot get from the flesh to walking in the spirit. You cannot unless it's through Jesus, through the cross and through what he did for us. <clears throat> Some of these things help us understand and break down a little bit more in layman's terms day-to-day, um, -day, what, what, what it means to be a day-to-day -day believer. This is what we help people with at the mission. We just take God's word, no different than what we do in Sunday school class or anything else. And sometimes we don't bring up God immediately. We meet them where they're at. Right? And we give them God's word broke down in a simple way. And then always, for those whose heart are open to it, the Holy Spirit provides an opportunity. Always. <clears throat> now, I have had a couple pastors tell me that's a backdoor approach. But I'm not sure that God cares what door we come in. If you have an opinion on that one, I'll talk to you later. <clears throat> you can set me straight, which I need sometimes. So this idea 
is really important. It's extremely important. I mean, it's more important than we realize. In our culture, in our society, I think even in the churches, regardless of what's going on with those who are broken and destitute and addicted, because honestly, raise your hand if you don't struggle with an addiction. Why do we always focus on drugs and alcohol? The addictions that we have are bad for us, most of them. They hurt us. So you know that it's scientifically and clinically proven that 90% of cancer comes from what we put in our bodies. So why don't we just stop doing it? Because we're addicted. Here's a scary taboo topic statistic. Uh, women are almost to surpass men in pornography addiction. First time ever. How do you think that's affecting the family unit? But we don't talk about that one. So the cool thing when we uh, just pull up this spirit versus flesh, right? This, this idea that we're all equal under God's authority. There's no difference. We're all struggling with stuff, whether we're believers or not. But here's where it gets cool. A lot of the people that we meet at the mission, they're not believers. They're not. And so we introduce them to the idea. We introduce them to Jesus. We introduce them to the word of God. And then it's up to them, right? We don't change lives. We facilitate the atmosphere for life change. Right? There's a lot of missions and programs that say, we change lives. <laughs> no, that's not what God's word says. Um, but we can prepare the soil. We can facilitate the atmosphere. We can do the best that we can to support so that there's a better likelihood of that happening. But it's not just with the broken and the destitute and the poor and the homeless and the hungry. It's with all of us, Right? So here's, here's something that's really cool. We introduce this idea to most of the people who come through our doors. Most of them. Some of them do um, are believers. But when, we're, when I get to come and talk to churches, I get to assume, maybe it's a bad assumption, that you all believe in Jesus. Do you all believe in Jesus? Yes. Okay. Well, you just painted yourself in a little bit of a corner. Because now I get to talk a little bit more freely and direct. So we at the mission, whoop, I'll try not to go down. We at the mission give people what they need, not what they want. Back to the T chart. Back to the T chart. That's also what we should be doing in our churches giving our believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ, what they need not what they want. Our country and our culture and our society is so full of churches and things that give you what you want and what feels good and what seems right and what causes an emotional experience that in my opinion, there's a lot of good things not happening because we're all kind of deceived into thinking we're just fine. Right? That lukewarm, that gray area. So I get to talk to you a little bit more directly because you've all 
agreed and confessed that you're believers. Now, Jesus said some really radical things about believing in him. Right? Um, he, John 3.16 is absolutely true. It's, the, you know, the, the most, probably one of the most taken out of context verses in the Bible. Right? It is true. If you believe in Jesus and open your heart and mind to him, you're saved. It's true. God's word is God's word. But did you know that there's a, a verse where Jesus is talking to some Pharisees and Sadducees that believe in him? It starts out. And they believed in Jesus. And he says, now to be my disciples is something different. Did you know Jesus said that? He said, to be my disciple, you must follow me and obey my commandments. And we're, and I'm not judging anybody, okay? I'm, I'm chief sinner here. I struggle, uh, I struggle every day to do what God has for my life, to give my life to God who, who owns it already, right? To try our best in this physical body to walk in the spirit, which is where we're going to go in a minute. But I just want to be a little bit direct and bold because I think in our churches we're kind of confused and there's this idea that if I just believe in Jesus, everything's good and rosy. But God himself said, I, I want you to believe. And that, that is the mark of salvation, but I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. And when we follow him, what did Jesus say? Pick up your cross daily and follow me. The world hated me. Of course they're going to hate you. So that brings a little bit of suffering, a little bit of sacrifice. And suffering and sacrifice, I believe the Bible substantiates a spectrum, right? Think of a big gauge. I don't know where your suffering and sacrifice is. I think it kind of goes back and forth. And, and for some of us, it's going to be pegged out, right? Ultimate. I, I don't even want to try to determine what your suffering and sacrifice is. But I can promise you that if you follow Jesus, there will be. You don't have to go looking for it. It will just come naturally. The world will hate you. One of the saddest things that I see because of my ministry at the mission, is the only reason I get to travel around different churches and see this, is believers being in the world. Believers that I can't tell a difference. Sometimes I struggle with that too. Sometimes I sit down and I ask my wife, can, can we tell the difference between our house and the neighbor's house? Do we look different? Do we sound different? Do we talk different? We ought to. And so the message is this. You cannot get mad at me. Well, you can, but... Uh, so Romans 8, 1 is my favorite chapter. Romans, Romans 8 is my favorite chapter. Romans 1 through 7 is uh, a really cool uh, outline of what Christ did for us. That salvation, right? That... that uh, he, he completed it. It is finished. It's done. That's the believe part. Romans 1 through 7, that's the believe part. Romans 8 is the follow part. It's my favorite chapter. We use it all the time at the mission. I want to just, uh, what I did was I found about 25 other verses 
and I plugged them into Romans. And what I did was I said, look, if I create a sermon, a quick just reading of the scriptures, of God's word, and I don't use anything out of my mouth, I just use God's word and God's word alone, but I read it to you in kind of like a sermon way that hopefully you'll understand and maybe hopefully even be mind blown. Like, wow, that was God's word. And it was like just some preacher dude preaching. That's what we need. We need to understand God's word from a very formal, modern approach where we can understand it. Imagine for a minute if you had Paul and Peter, the apostles, Isaiah, James, Jesus, <clears throat> Jeremiah, up here. And they had put together a sermon for you today. Would you remember this Sunday? Yeah? I hope so. Are you guys awake? Yeah, it is the first service, right? When we hear from the Word of God, we should not be the same. It should not be boring to us, right? Pastor's jobs is to make sure that happens. How do we put the real word of God, not changing anything, but helping the people in the congregation understand it and get fired up? And if the Holy Spirit needs to convict, then the Holy Spirit will convict. It's not a bad thing to be convicted. That just means you're aware of your guilt and you can't address it and give it back to Jesus if you're not aware of it. So I'm going to read this. And I tried to memorize it, but I failed <laughs> miserably. I was like, yeah, I can, I can memorize a chapter or so. And you know, we, I started last, last week, and I, I just, nope, can't do it. <clears throat> okay, here we go. This should change your life. Listen closely. All those people I said, if they were up here, this is from them. I took their verses in Romans, and I just put it together where it's explaining what following Jesus means. Now, you're believers. You have no excuse. This is what we ought to be doing in the church. If you're doing it, praise God. Help light fires under other people. If you're not, stop, go home, get with your wife, get with your husband, get with your family, and let's get busy. All right? The harvest is soon. Jesus is coming back. We, we've got work to do. Not to get saved because we're saved. Right? Okay. We'll see if this works. <clears throat> Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. Free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification that you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. 
This was done in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. You adulterous people, talking to me too, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raises Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it, for we live according to for if we live according to the flesh, we will die. But if by the Spirit you put the death and misdeeds of the body to death, and you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you go live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. To them, God says, I will give, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name, better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now if we are children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God, then co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Did you hear that? Co-heirs with Christ? Think of everything that God created. But notice the end of that. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also be glorified. 
For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. To open your eyes and turn from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that you may receive forgiveness of sins and, place, and a place among those who are sanctified by Christ, by faith in Christ. And I consider that our present sufferings are not worthy of comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Yeah, we're going to suffer, but it's nothing compared to the rewards. Nothing. For our light and monetary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh all of our suffering. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. For the creation waits in eager expectations for the children of God to be revealed. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And how long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked and the animals and the birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happens to us. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption into sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? For we live by faith, not by sight. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, then we wait patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Yeah, totally going to have to cut off right there. I've got quite a bit more, <laughs> and I'm already over time. Um, but I have this put together. It's really cool, and if anybody would like a copy of it, Come up to me afterwards. I'll give you. A, uh, I'll shoot an email out. The, ba the the basis of this though is Romans eight. So go home and read Romans eight. All I did is found a bunch of scriptures that substantiate it and threw it in there. Um, and so to close, real quick. Don't come to church on Sunday just to come to church. Don't get fired up once a year. Get fired up every morning. Don't think that what we're doing down at the mission is just for people who are destitute and broken. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all people of God. We should all be preaching the word and sharing God's love with everyone around us every second, every minute, every day. Take God's word seriously. If it doesn't fire you up, then beg God. Cry out to him. Fire me up with your word, Lord.
I don't want to see this church, I love this church. I don't want to see it compromise. I don't want to see it meld into the world. I want to see it stand out and do the work of God. Thank you for your support at the mission. Please come and find out other ways you can support and help. We love this church a lot. I love the people here. But more than that, it's all about God. Right? Okay, I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, I just, I just ask that you uh, continue to drop and pour your spirit over this church and over this community. I thank you for the opportunity to come and share. And uh, Lord God, we just want you to continue to be changing lives forever, not only down at the mission, um, but in hearts and minds all over the planet. Um, we eagerly await your return, Lord. And until then, let us be um, helping with the harvest, preparing the soil. Let us be uh, doing good and being good stewards with what you have left us and given us. In Jesus' holy and mighty name, amen.